Hello, Chanel, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Wonderful. Should I turn off this uh, oh, Skype? We're, we're, record we're recording right now. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, You're welcome. My pleasure. I have, I have not seen you since December, mainly because I wanted to find new people. And finding you in the language room that we were in the other day was like a godsend because I'm like, I want to find other people. <laughs> I'm so yeah, happy to have met you. So thank you so much. Um, just to let you know, this is more of a conversation style. Yes. So I kind of like to, you know, let the um, guests introduce themselves and, um, you know, tell about themselves and sure. then, you know, interject, you know, in between. Okay. Uh, so I was born in uh, Morocco. I'm Algerian, born in Morocco. Um, I grew up in Algeria. Uh, after uh, the Algerian independence, my parents uh, went back to Algeria. And uh, I grew up there. I did my uh, schooling there. Uh, traveled around a lot because my dad had a job where he had to move every four years. Um, after uh, college, I went, I, I got a scholarship to study at Georgetown. I studied uh, TESOL and bilingual education. It was an amazing experience. So nice to be able to come to a such a faraway country and meet people from all over the world and learn so much about life. And uh, besides, of course, the academics, uh, I think uh, the enrichment was much broader uh, in terms of life in general. And then uh, I went back to Algeria, got married. And one year later, my husband, uh, I got a grant to come back and study in the US for his PhD. So he came back to New York and I started working. We came back in December 79, no, not 79, December 81. And January 4th, 82, I started working at the UN as a language teacher. Uh, taught there for 36 years and retired in 2017. I taught Arabic at the United Nations Language Program. Uh, it's a language program for UN staff and diplomats uh, to learn um, the six official languages of uh, the UN. Do you know what they are, Chanel? Oh, yeah. Um, English, French, Mandarin, Chinese, Arabic, Russian. And there's and one more. Spanish, I believe. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. So I taught Arabic uh, and uh, all these throughout the years I've had colleagues and students from all over the world who was able to practice my other languages. I took the Spanish uh, uh, lang language lessons until I uh, reached proficiency and I have my proficiency certificate from the United Nations. I also took the French proficiency test, although as, a, as an Algerian, um, uh, you can uh, declare either Arabic or French as your mother tongue because they're both my mother tongue. But I uh -huh. guess since I declared Arabic as my my mother tongue, um, 
I said, well, why not type on this process to get in my portfolio? <laughs> I also took um, Russian classes in the program. I got to level six out of nine levels and then uh, took some Chinese, just one and a half levels of out of nine. So, yeah. Wow, oh, that's that's amazing. I mean, what what made you want to uh, work for the UN? Uh, or was that just because, you know, you had, you know, the linguist background prior? Actually, I had a friend who worked there and I went with her one day and I was like, wow, I would love to work here. And she told me that they needed a language teacher and I applied. Uh, so yeah, that's how it went. I uh, also worked at different schools as a part-time teacher. I started part-time at the UN as well. So I worked with um, Michelle Thomas language centers. I worked at the, uh, um, there was a language institute in the, in Tower One, at Twin Towers, on the 25th floor. I don't remember the exact name of it, the language language center with the World Trade Center Institute, it was called. So. And I worked with Gateno. You know Gateno? He did the, the he, he worked, he had a special method uh, with um, cuisinaire rods. You know the cuisinaire rods they use for math? Uh, no. They're colored, they're colored gray, brightly colored rods of different sizes. They were used to okay. teach kids math, but he developed um, uh, a method, a language learning, language teaching method uh, using those rods. So the, the Institute, the World Trade Center Institute adopted that method and I used it to teach Arabic, French and Spanish. It was really an amazing experience, even with a, a workshop with Gatelli himself, which was very, which is like awesome. <laughs> now, how did you find your way to working with the Michelle Thomas people? Uh, I, because I was working part-time, I was, I, uh, I was looking for part-time jobs and it was one of the jobs that I found and I got to them. I also taught at the, I taught French for one year at the, um, uh, um, what's the big music school uh, in the west on the west side? Uh, Car Carnegie Juilliard, Mellon. Juilliard School, the Juilliard School. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had uh, one of my colleagues uh, wasn't able to teach one year, so I replaced her for a year. It was another amazing experience. The top music st students were there, and I was teaching them French. <laughs> Cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm just curious, as a parent, how did you, did you do the au pair method with your kids, one I, language, one parent? No, I was not, uh, I didn't have the resources to do the au pair method. <laughs> it was really hard for us raising the kids. With our first child, we, my husband was a student, I was working part-time, uh, and then, uh, with the second child, it was a little better. I was working full time, so I was able to hire someone to come and stay with him um, at the house. 
just for a few months until he got a bit older, and then uh, we were able to take um, um, daycare, which was really expensive for us at that time, but we managed, and then with my daughter, she also went to daycare, and they all went to after-school program, because, you know, most of, you know, the later, later years, we were, we lived, um, we still live about 45 minutes, a 45 minute train ride from the city, so they had to go to after-school, so that we could uh, have them in a safe place until we got home both of us. It's definitely a challenge working and raising kids, right? I mean, I'm sure you know. Um, actually, my child is a four-legged Labrador Retriever. Oh, <laughs> good for you. Cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even if you don't have your own kids, you know that it's difficult to, and the listeners know, really hard to raise kids while you're working full-time both parents oh not easy and then you have parents who have just uh, you know who are alone they don't have a partner and they have to raise their children alone. oh yeah i much harder. Yeah, I came from a, yeah i came from a single parent household so mm -hmm. i know exactly what that's like very challenging right now i'm just curious like as far as the linguistic um standpoint um it said in your bio that you raised three multilingual kids yes so how, how did you go about like with the whole you know introducing them to the languages like yeah. as children i mean because i talked to a few people mm -hmm. where they they you know did the one child one language method where they spoke one language to them mainly and then the other parents spoke another language then they had someone come in with the third language then they went yes. to school yes well i wasn't you know because we were both working full-time it was very hard for us to uh to implement the one language parent uh, uh format uh we it we were just so exhausted at the end of the day uh, that we just didn't have the patience to <laughs> work on that. Plus, uh, my husband would always be working all day and then teaching in the evening. He'd come home like at nine, between nine and 11 p.m., depending on how many classes he was teaching afterwards. So uh, the kids really didn't have much time to spend with us so we can practice languages at all. You know, if they would come back from after school, then they had their other activities that we had to drive them to, and then by the time we got home, they had to do some more homework, and we hardly even saw each other. So, um, no, we didn't, uh, we weren't lucky enough to be able to apply that. But um, the fact that we really both speak uh, French and Arabic, and we use both languages at home, they had already um, you know, a passive knowledge of the language, the languages, and then they studied them in school. They took French and Spanish, and they, um, my daughter took Latin, uh, and then when they went to college, they continued. Uh, my son uh, took, uh, when he was um, at University of Chicago, doing his, um, he, he did uh, biology for four years, 
but he studied Japanese very seriously and he went to Japan and uh, stayed with the family and he went to Spain he studied Spanish went to Spain stayed not to Spain he went to South America and studied stayed with the family and you know really studied seriously and my daughter also studied uh, languages seriously she went to Spain she went to France she's gone to Piedmont to study language and stay with the family. So, and then she she worked in a Syrian refugee camp for seven months in Lebanon, and that really took her out, you know, way high. <laughs> After doing two yeah. semesters of Arabic in college, she's fluent in Levantine Arabic, not uh, you know, she knows standard, but she also speaks very good with Levantine. Yeah, and my no, older I, son is uh, mm -hmm. studied a little bit of many languages, but never really uh, went very far. But he can really communicate, or at least, uh, you know, he's comfortable around people with all these different languages, which is, I'm very happy that my kids did this. It, it really opened, opened so many doors to each one of them, knowing all these languages. It's amazing what languages can do. Oh yeah, and I I enjoy helping people, you know, learn languages. Even if if I'm using, you know, um, audio methods like Michelle Thomas and Innovative Language and You Talk and the Memorize app, anything to to get people to, you know, understand. You don't have to go to a classroom. You know, right. you can learn it. You right. know, using other other ways. You know. What's yeah, the yeah. what's the what's the app that you found the most useful when you were learning languages? Um, well, I when I when I started as an independent language learner six years ago, um, I my whole goal was I wanted to learn Russian. Mm -hmm. I only knew like eight words in Russian to begin with, mm -hmm. and um, I decided okay, let me find you know something, um, because evidently because I'm visually impaired and I'm an auditory learner. Um, I can't read print no more. I found the Michelle Thomas method. Now, mind you, I was on YouTube looking around, and and I saw this this method. This lady named Natasha Brzezowski, and she did the Russian course. Mm -hmm. So I just started listening to the course, and then I said, "Oh, I wonder if this is at the library." So I found it at the library, and I took it out and I used it. And then I saved up $170 and I got the whole course um, via iTunes. Of course, at the time, I didn't realize they had a site until, I don't know, <laughs> a year later. <laughs> but uh, I saw the, the Michelle Thomas um, documentary they had from the BBC. And I was like, this guy's totally cool. Of course, I didn't realize at the time when I had started learning his method, he was already, you know, he had already passed on. And so I found the method to be, you know, amazing. I mean, I tried Pimsleur and um, I tried a whole bunch of other courses, but Michelle Thomas stuck with me. And then I found the Memorize app by mm -hmm. Memorize and that worked. And then I found like a whole bunch of podcasts and um, I had to pick somebody to model after. So I picked President Putin out of all people because mm -hmm. I just like to work and I subscribed to Russia Today channel on my cable subscription, and I would listen to it from six in the morning to midnight. Wow. And 
I did all the courses that were free on the Memorize app, all the writing courses, and I did a lot of speaking. And I joined groups on Facebook, Russian groups, and then people started to notice, oh, well, it's this blind chick that can speak Russian. You know, I already spoke Spanish and English, and I even spoke American, I, I even knew American Sign Language because I learned it when I was little. And so for me, it was just like a duck to water. And, um, you know, I mean, my grammar wasn't the greatest. I, my grammar still isn't the greatest. But I, I you know, I, I found, you know, my, my love language, as I call it. Mm-hmm. And I had like three European love languages, and it was Russian, French, and Italian. Mm-hmm. And like, I have a passive knowledge. I mean, this is crazy. But I have a passive knowledge of like Dutch, Italian, and German because wow. I listened to Rammstein for like 20 years. Wow. Like the same CD for like 20 <laughs> years. And um, I could understand a lot of German. I couldn't speak it, but I can understand it. Hmm. And then like I did the Michelle Thomas um, Dutch course, the first foundation course. And this is before I even started my podcast and before I even had an affiliation with them, which I've been collaborating with them as an affiliate marketer for almost two years now come September. And, you know, I'm, I, I stand by their, their method. I love it. I mean, now, yeah, I've tried a lot of other methods, but it sticks and it works. And, you know, I spent like 5,544 hours of doing nothing but listening to Russian. And that's how I was able to get to a high level of understanding and speaking now, when it came to reading and writing, um, I didn't do a lot of writing because my whole mm-hmm. aim was I want to speak. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to write stuff down. Right. I'm going to verbally communicate with people. Right. And so that was more important to me. And I even had a Russian boyfriend for a time, and we would speak Russian all the time, and I helped him with his English, like the kind of conversation Perfect. we're having now. I would have with him and his friends. And he took the Tesla course in, in Moscow. And got up to a B1 level. And wow. the only part he needed to work on was his listening. Wow. His, his writing, his speaking was very good. And, um, you know, we still communicate. And I, I knew I was fluent in Russian. When I could have a conversation with his mother, and his mother doesn't speak a lick of English. She wow. only speaks German and Russian. That's amazing. Well, I wish my students would do what you do. I mean, it's some of them do. But it's very, it's so important to, to bring in all these other means of learning. You don't, you know, you don't have to stick to just the textbook or whatever you're learning in class. It's so enriching right. to add other, other medium. Yeah, like right now I'm learning Arabic. And it's one of those things because we have a high Arab population in Akron. And so for me, the languages of the East were probably more important to me than the languages of the West. Mm-hmm. How far are you into Arabic? Ana Arfa Ala Arabia Yaswe Dueti Satetik Bes Wauza Arif Ala Arabia Ni. What do you mean by Ni? What was the last thing you said? Oh. Bes, but you um, Arif? Yeah, yeah. Um, Awi. 
Yes. <laughs> ah, oui. Ah, okay. Oh. How's the therapy? Ah, oui. Okay. So you want to yeah. learn more? Yeah. About yeah. Like I right it. now, I for almost two years now, I've been cooking a lot of uh, Middle Eastern food. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you saw my cooking podcast, and a lot of the recipes were were stuff that I made. And I actually went to an Arab um, store mm-hmm. and went shopping. I, I, I actually listened to that podcast. It was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I went to uh, an Arab store. And I, you know, when I learn a language, I want to know everything. I want to know about the, the culture, the history, how they dress. Um, you know, because evidently, I don't care if you're in the Middle East and I don't care if you're in the U.S., there's a certain way that you have to present yourself when you go into a store. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and especially another, another, another person's culture. And, mm-hmm. and um, so I met this lady. Her name is Susan. Her American name is Susan. I don't know her Arab name. But she was, you, you could tell that she was... Um, she had on her jihab, hajib, hijab, and, um, hijab. hijab. Yes. And, and, and then she was dressed from head to toe covered mm. in all black. And so um, I had my guide dog with me. However, um, she was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. So I had my friend who was a male take him outside and put him back in the car so I could finish my transaction. Mm-hmm. Of course, she understood legally that in the U.S., you know, if you're legally blind or totally blind, you're, you're allowed, guide dogs are allowed. Yes. But my, do- my, my daughter used to train guide dogs. We'd bring them to the house for, for a week at mm-hmm. a time. It was so fun. Yeah, and I, uh, I didn't want her to feel any more uncomfortable. <laughs> so out of respect I made choice to have my guide dog go back in the car that was very considerate of you it's very nice it, I mean because there's some people that you know they would throw the AD up in someone's face and yeah. I no I, I understand because I have a phobia of birds mm-hmm. so I understand and so I, we finished shopping. I spent like $43 up in there. Of course, you know, I didn't know that baklev mm-hmm. was as expensive as it was. And I mean, I have this small container that you can put sauce in. Mm-hmm. That's how much baklev I had bought. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Like I had bought some, I had bought some shawarma seasoning. I mean, you know, spice. And I had yeah. bought the seven spices. I bought that. And then I bought some tahini, and I bought some frika, and I bought um, some uh, maybe some olives and cheese. Saffron. Oh, saffron. That's expensive. Yeah, I have friends in Iran, Mm -hmm. and they're like, saffron here is expensive. I'm like, so I went online and found saffron spray. Saffron spray? Saffron spray, yeah, I've heard of that. Have you tried it? 
Yes, I have a can in my house. I oh. spent fifteen dollars for it. I did not care. <laughs> That's quite the something. Yeah, like saffron is expensive. Just for a little small container of it, it's like five dollars. Yeah, they say that saffron is more expensive than gold because it's very light. You buy a few hairs and it's already, you know, a few dollars. So. Well, yeah, like they said that, like, if you wanted to buy, like, a big, huge thing of it, like, in bulk, it would be, like, 70 bucks. Yes, yes. I used to buy those uh, boxes. You can get them in the Indian stores because they use saffron a lot. And it used to be, it used to be 70. I think now it's, you can't get it for 70 anymore. It's more like 150. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, but, and it's so weird because, like, I have sumac and, you know, I have zata mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, you know, and I learned a lot about, you know, cooking and, like, I made majetsura and. Really? Um, have you tried any um, North African, Western Arabic uh, dishes? Like Maghribi um, dishes? Like, I've made, um. I made chicken shawarma. Mm -hmm. Made um, Lebanese nights dessert. I oh, made yeah. Lebanese nice. rice pudding. I've made um, lebna. Mm -hmm. I've made um, what the heck is? It? Oh, I made um, koshari. Koshari, very good. Have you made tabbouleh? La. Okay. Ana Ana Mishandi. No. Uh, yeah. Um, I um, think Ma Amal Fish. Mm -hmm. He wants to say I didn't make Ma Amal Fish. Amir? Ma oh. Amal oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh Awal. Tabule. Tabule? Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I made tabule. Um I actually cheated. I <laughs> well the first time I tried I actually bought the bulgur wheat. Okay. But I bought the wrong bulgur wheat. I bought the number three. Oh, okay, that's it's yeah. One, and then I, I, because I belong to this Lebanese cooking group, and I, because I'm visually impaired, so I cut the tomatoes up. Like I had gotten a big tomato instead of getting cherry tomatoes, which now I, I do it with cherry tomatoes, and um, I'm able to chop them up smaller that way. Yes. And. But beforehand, I didn't think about that. I just got a big tomato and start chopping is, you know, and then I had the 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 rest of the ingredients and the mistake. I have took a picture of it and said, "This is what I made." Mm -hmm. And well, instead of like a fourth of a cup of like bulgur wheat, I had like a cup of bulgur wheat, which this bulgur oh, wheat no. was for like a soup oh, or a rice no. pilaf, <laughs> and I didn't know that. And like thirteen hundred people saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next time I made it, I um, used, they have this, this tabole mix mm -hmm. that you can get at Whole Foods. Yeah. So I got two of those. And so that was a little bit easier. And but then, that's really cheating. Oh, that's cheating. You're right. I know. I had to because I was like, wait a minute. Because I, I did buy the correct bulgur wheat yes. this time around. But it was just like, I'm going to try this just to see, you know. Yeah. But then I, I bought the cherry tomatoes and I cut those up. And then um, the parsley, 
Um, I got two bunches of parsley already chopped up. They chopped it up for me at the store before I, I bought it. Oh, that's good. And I was able to do it that way because I don't know how to chop up parsley. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, for me personally, like, I love cooking. And, like, I kind of subscribe to, like, a Middle Eastern diet now, mm-hmm. even though I'm African-American. Like, I would go to a Latin's here in Akron and just order their um, – what, which one was their their flavor saver, um, and I've made Lebanese rice. I've made, um, I've done it all. I mean, what? I even made um, the what do you call it? Uh, falafel. Falafel. Oh, very good. Yeah, I made falafel. Well, they have falafel mix, and then I made it. And then it's so much better when you make it from scratch, and it's really not that hard. So you know, yeah, stay I will, away from the mix. I will, I will try to make it from scratch, but I, I will say this much: I, I enjoy Middle Eastern food. Like I, I actually made some grebe cookies. Nice, very good. And I made thirty of them, and I took them to uh, a going away party because my aunt and grandmother had moved to Pittsburgh last wow. month, and I didn't even get one. <laughs> I'm not surprised. They're so well, good. I you can put the confectionery sugar on them, but see, I knew they were going to be kids, so I left that off. <laughs> and I put I put the pistachios in the middle. Oh, nice. And oh, they went nuts. Of course. When I when I left, I got phone calls. How do you make this? I was like, it's easy. Yeah. You get some ghee. Mm-hmm. You get two cups of flour, a cup of ghee. And you take um, like ghee flour sugar. and there was one more ingredient. Some sugar. Sugar, yeah. So what I did was, I I I because I I do it healthy. I either use I'll either use coconut sugar, mm-hmm. or I will use monk fruit mm-hmm. to 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 take down the sweetness. Yeah. And then it'd be a little bit more healthier. What do you and do about the ghee, though? The ghee? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have ghee. I bought ghee. Yeah, I know, but how do you make it healthy with the ghee? Uh, well, no, the sugar part. <laughs> the, the sugar part, that's what I did. I, I totally forgot about the ghee part. I, but they didn't, they didn't care. People were taking them home. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, and then I want to, I eventually uh, want to put, make a cookbook out of all the recipes you I You should, make. yeah, you should, definitely. And I make hummus, too, from scratch. And um, have you heard of the, the, uh, it's this lady, her name is Blanche Shaheen. I've heard, she has, yes, I've heard the name, yes. He, her and I are really good friends. And she has this cookbook called Feast in the Middle East, and she's Palestinian-American. Cool. And her parents are from Palestine. Yeah. And and Arabic was her first language, and then English is her second, and then she learned Spanish. Is she the one who has a Facebook? uh, She's on Facebook? She has videos on Facebook? Yeah, she has videos on on YouTube. She has a YouTube YouTube, channel called Feast in the Middle East. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and so her and I became really good friends. Nice. And uh, did you interview her? Yes. Cool. Yeah, she's she's on my cooking podcast. Very cool. And, and then um, she's I've taken pictures of stuff like 
I, I want to make um, Magaluba. Mm, Magaluba. At, at, at some point. Um, I mean, because the way she made it, it was kind of cool. Like it was backwards. Well, that's the and, idea. The, the dish is called Magaluba. Magaluba means turned upside down. Right. Yeah. So she, she did, um, I was like, I'm going to make this. And, um, I mean, cause I, I mean, I have some of the ingredients in my house and it's like, oh, I can get more chicken and I can use rice or potatoes, right. um, cauliflower, you know, all that type of stuff. And I'm like, Ooh. but then I made the, I made one dish. It was a chicken dish and it had, what did it have? It, it had grilled caramelized onions and sumac and there was a few other oh my god she was like i forgot what the name of it was you're but talking it was about so... kushari maybe lentils yeah it's called kushari it's also called uh, mjaddara in some places it's with a slight I, difference yeah because they i mean it was it was funny because i made i made that like i, I didn't know what to make for dinner so she put this recipe up and i just made it and um I took a picture of it because I take pictures of everything that I cook. And I was like, man, you are a good cook. Oh, my God, that looks so good. I'm like, and then someone actually asked me, do I cook anything else? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But right now I'm into the whole, I want to make a whole bunch of Arab um, uh, dishes. Dishes. Mm -hmm. I actually want to make makmoud. Makmoud. Okay. uh, well, I did get I did get the mold, the Mahmoud mold. Okay. I to find it. I got one online, and it was like fifteen dollars or whatever. But okay. it was you know the real deal. Mm-hmm. But the it wooden, was the wooden like, one, right? The, the wooden yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Huh? And I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how to use this now. <laughs> yeah, we make a similar. Uh, sweet called uh, makrut in Algeria, and we make it totally differently. And we dip it in honey at the end. Oh, see, okay, I yeah. need that recipe. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you the recipe. It's actually really delicious, and it looks really pretty. The only thing is, you need to get the well. You get the mold online. We have them online. Yeah, I have one mold. Like I have, but I haven't figured out how to use it. Oh, I'm sure you'll find a YouTube video that shows you how to use it. It's pretty simple. You put the yeah. you put the semolina mix and then the stuffing and then more semolina mix and then you squeeze it in and then you tap it so it 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 falls out of the mold. You tap the mold on your table or whatever surface you're working on, and it comes out. Okay. Yeah, but uh, watch a video. It'll be better if you can. Ah, uh, you can't really. Can you see the video? I uh, yeah, I can I I can see the 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 you know the person on the on the screen. I just the small details are difficult. Okay, so who, but if they're showing, they probably have a close up, you know, of how right. they're doing it. So yeah. Hopefully, you yeah. can see and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I, never I've I mean, never that, made mamul, but I've seen how it's made. But you know, it's funny too because like I um tell people all the time that's my my go-to thing i love food 
And so if I can tie in my English life with my life of learning whatever language I'm diving into, I can make it, it it makes the process of learning the language a lot more fun. Fun and and enriching because you're opening your mind to this totally new culture and learning so much. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. I mean, and people don't realize, like, even a little bit that you do learn, People love it. Like, I went and spoke a little bit of basic Thai and ordered some food at a Thai restaurant mm-hmm. last summer and got invited to a Buddhist temple. Yes, it's a totally, yeah. Yeah, it's a totally different experience. People just see you as a, as a friend right away because right. you're interested in their culture and their language. So it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, but I'm just curious. Like, um, uh, what, wait, well, I'm going on 44. And one of my goals was to eventually get to the UN at some point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how 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 proficient did you have to be in your languages in order to work there? Well, you had to have you had your you had to have you had to be a to be a language teacher at the UN. You had to have your lang- your main your mother tongue. Uh, right. You had to be teaching your mother tongue. You cannot be teaching. A language that's not your mother tongue. That's uh, number right. one for a teacher, you know. And then they required, uh, at that time, they didn't have this requirement of five years of experience. Um, right. They, for a part time teacher, they didn't have uh, that requirement. Now, if you want to be a full time teacher, it has to be five years. When I took the post, you had to have three years of experience. And right. uh, it's it it uh, upped the requirement five years since then. But different posts will have different requirements. You know, you can go to the UN. Uh, uh, all the jobs are posted online, and you can see what you know what you qualify for. They have many different openings. Yeah, I was just curious because, I mean, for some of my listeners who might be out there thinking, I want to work for the UN. Yeah, well, you know, there's one thing that a lot of people are not aware of. There's something called the YPP, Young Professionals Program. So everybody thinks that you have to have, uh, you know, a um, master's degree and you have to have many years of experience. So there is a way that you can work at the UN without having a master's degree. And that's to sit for this exam called the Young Professionals Program exam. It's offered once a year. You have to, you have to be a l- less than 32. It's for people 32 years and younger. And uh, you apply. Uh, it's very competitive because there are many people who want to take this exam. The only thing to remember is that not every country is represented every year. So every year you have to look and see what countries qualify, and then you take the exam. My daughter, she did, she didn't pass, um, but I have had students who took this test and passed it, and they're working at the UN. It's it's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity. Tell your friends if they're less than 32 and want to work for the UN to just uh, just type YPP United Nations, and they'll get to the page. Yeah, I um, I know that for a lot of people, you know, who want to dive in the languages, like I have my temple, so I can teach English, business English, and English mm-hmm. for young learners. And um, 
you know, I tell people all the time, a lot of times, you know, they want you to teach you, they want you to teach them. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I can be honest, uh, you can go into a class and you can pay $1,200 right. for a semester, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to come out learning what right. you want to know. I mean, right. you're going to get, you're going to get an overview of what, you know, because it's, you're, you're learning for a test. It's pretty much, but if you have expectations of speaking or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, you have to take your gonna, learning, you have to t- take your learning seriously and take it into your right. own hands. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, cause I had a, I had a teacher, it was my third semester of Spanish mm-hmm. and I, I learned by ear anyway. And so I turned around and I didn't learn how to read and write in Spanish. I learned how to speak and understand it first. Mm-hmm. And then the reading and the writing came after that. That's the best. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to learn. Because if you re- learn to read and write and then try to speak, it's just very hard. It takes much right. longer, much longer. Right. And I mean, I've had people say, well, all I want to do is read. I was like, yeah, but guess what? If you go to Beijing, for instance, and you want to speak, you know, um, you know, let's say no one speaks English. I'm just using it as a prime example, even though I know that that's not the case. Um, you are going, okay, you can read your way into it, but for some people, some people can't read. Right. So you have to be able to verbally communicate. You have to be able to understand what they're saying. I, I, yeah. I say find things that interest you. Mm-hmm. So if you like sports, learn about that. Right. If you like politics, learn about that. If yeah. you like food, learn about that. Yeah, and it makes you don't it have fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because otherwise, you know, if you just, you know, I, I had some students where I need to know the grammar of English, and I'm like, do you understand, like, when most of us were born, regardless of what country you came from, you didn't learn grammar, and you didn't learn you know, how to read and write until you got to school. You might have learned how to read like at four, you know, to some extent from your parents, if you were lucky. Right. Um, but otherwise, it's all over. Right. Right. It's oral. So you're going to be able to speak fluently by the time you're five, but that doesn't mean anything because. No, you're you fluent st- when you're two. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, and, okay, like I told someone, I said, well, it's, they need to learn the good words. And I was like, yeah, but trust me, I know plenty of people where their kids, you'd be like, oh, okay, where they learn that from. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, too, kids, are very, you know, they, they soak things up like a sponge. They you know, do. but they still... They they still need to be able to, they still need to learn, you know, um, you know, the basic fundamentals of the language. And that's why you have to go to school for anyway. And, you know, the first 18 years, your mind is still absorbing everything that you read. Right. You know, and that's why we're, we're as highly proficient with our mother tongues as we are. And then if you have the opportunity to learn another language or two along the way, that's great. I mean, well, at least here in the U.S., 
um, you know, English is, you know, the dominated language. I mean, and then next to that, Spanish, but then you got another 400 and something other languages that are spoken in this country. Right. And, you know, it's funny when you can go somewhere and, like, I was in line um, at a grocery store here, a local grocery store, and I heard these two people speaking Spanish. Now, I understand Spanish very well. I turned around and I'm paying for my stuff, and I turned around and looked at him, tu hablas el español? He speaks Spanish. <laughs> and this one's like, uba canyon, and I was like, oh, okay. And then it's like, no, and I'm like, Oh no, honey! I heard everything you said. It's okay. I like it. I like it when people speak something other than English. And it's like, oh, what else do you speak? I speak a little bit of Brazilian Portuguese, some French. I speak Russian. What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, cool. Everybody's like, yeah. Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And but you know, you do have people that you know can't be ignorant because. They think if you go somewhere, oh, well, I, I can get by with English. Uh, in the capital city, maybe. Yeah. But once you go out of there, you've got to know that language because not everybody speaks English. Exactly. Yes. You know, so it's, it's you know, I, to me, I, I feel that language learning is like the gateway to bringing people together. You know, the, the world's getting smaller because of the internet. And, um, you know, you're able to communicate with people over the phone or, you know, via, you know, your tablet or your computer, you know. Or a clubhouse. Right, clubhouse, you know. And, um, and I, I mean, I've met so many cool people, you know, because of clubhouse. Oh, my and God. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I just started my my business as of two weeks ago, Chanel's language learning journey. And you know, I like I tell people, I was like, I you know, I do affiliate marketing for Michelle Thomas people, Utah people, and innovative language learning. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, you can learn a few words, you can learn a few phrases, you can even learn the the to speak the language to whatever. You know, if you just want to speak at an A1 level or you just want to go to A2 or B1, mm -hmm. which for people in the U.S., A1 is like a 10-10 course, A2 is 10-20, and B1 is 20-10. Um, so, and then B2 is 2020. And anything after that is, you know, conversational. Then you get up to your literature and history, blah, blah, blah. So, um personally it's like people want to know how fluent you are and I was like well you mean how proficient you know how well can you speak right. you know fluent is everyone's definition of that is different yeah. and you know then they get the whole translations um, which is you know translating documents written material and mixed up with interpreting which is the verbal right and and you know i have to explain well no you mean interpreting not translation translation is the written mm -hmm. and uh, they're like oh why am i been using that because a lot of people don't think about um you know 
to look up the difference. There's a big difference. Big difference. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've even heard some polyglots sit up there and say, give the definition of each one and then continue to use it incorrectly. It's like, <laughs> you just came. <laughs> explanation as to what they mean what both words mean and you still used it incorrectly that there you know and i sit there and i say to my students all the time have fun enjoy it you know you don't have to study for eight hours a day you can study for 30 minutes a day you can study for an hour a day you can take 15 minutes and do some listening 15 minutes of speaking 15 minutes of writing 15 minutes of reading and it's more yeah. fun that way that was right. right. It doesn't have to be, I need to study for three hours. Now, yeah, do I listen to the news in my target languages? Yeah. Was I listening to Al Jazeera in Arabic? Yeah, until I don't know what happened. Uh, the uh, app won't, I mean, the channel for which I was listening to it, it no longer, you can no longer listen to it in Arabic for some reason. But, um, and I was listening to France 24 and they had Arabic, English, French, and Spanish. Yeah, and now they cool. have English and Spanish. You can't even listen to it in French or Arabic that's, now that's unless weird. you use the app, yeah, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But, but I mean, I enjoy, you know, that whole idea of uh, learning the different dialects or at least listening to music from different countries. Yeah. Because I did that in Spanish, and, and I was able to understand a lot more Spanish, not just from Mexico or Puerto Rico, right, right. but from Colombia and Argentina and Venezuela. Right. Music Spanish, really is, is the best for that. So cool. Right. But then I said, I need to do the same thing with Arabic. Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, I've been listening to Hayfawib from mm -hmm. Lebanon, mm -hmm. and someone has said the equivalent of Hayfawib is like Sierra, and I'm like, yeah, but guess what? I don't mind. I'm still learning something. Exactly. If you're, it's what you enjoy. Who cares? You know, if you enjoy this singer's way of singing, it doesn't matter. Right. That's what that's what you like. Who cares what anybody oh, yeah. else thinks? Oh yeah. Like I, well, I guess because like some of the some of the people in the, that I know that's from different parts of the Arab world is like. Oh, there are other people. I was like, please let me know because I, I mean, I just found her. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm going to listen to somebody. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you should go on my Spotify. Go on my Spotify. I have lists per, per dialect. I have one for, for post-standard Arabic, one for Egyptian Arabic, one for Lebanese Arabic, Levantine Arabic. You should, I mean, those are my favorite songs that I chose for my students, but you can make your own lists. If you start oh. there, you can, you know, you just listen and discover things you like and create your own playlists. Oh, I was going to ask, have you watched Al Heba? Yes, I have. I can't wait to watch the second part. I only watched the number one. Yeah, I watched the first season on Netflix. Yes. Like, I watched it with English subtitles yes. because Very evidently good. my yeah. Arabic isn't that strong. Yet. Of course, of course. But, but I went nuts. I was like, oh, my God. It's amazing, isn't it? So cool. Yes, it is. And you, have, like, to, you have to watch uh, Tango. Have you watched Tango? No. You will love Tango. It's very, very well done. 
Yeah, Sebra yeah. really good for a series. Yeah, because I said that was another thing I wanted to do was, you know, with my Arabic, it gets to the point where uh, I could just start listening. I mean, like, I'll do that anyway, even if I don't understand all of it. Mm-hmm. And I will just listen and listen and listen and listen and listen and listen. And it does click after a while. Yes. Do you, you listen to the people, BB, do you listen to the BBC in the background? Yes. Yeah, you could put the BBC in Arabic or Dutch or whatever in Arabic or whatever, you know, Radio Monte Carlo in Arabic. In the background right. of the radio and just leave it on and it's amazing. I mean the, the I'm saying these channels uh, because they have a lot of like calling shows and they have music and it's like very varied. And it's not just like just the news all the time, which right. is some uh, interesting, you know, have fun to have in, in, in the background. Yeah, I've even told people if you want, if you like talk shows where they interact with the audience live, oh, yes. Oh, that, that, that's a perfect yes. way to learn. Those are the best, yes. Especially now with the call in shows for Arabic, is excellent because you have people calling from different Arab countries, so you're listening to different dialects all the time. Satellite TV has really brought people from different dialects much closer than they used to be. Oh, yes. And I mean, even like I've only been a part of Clubhouse since February 13th, and I've been active since March. And I've found a whole bunch of Arab like clubs to join, and yes. I got to practice what little bit of Arabic I know. So- Someone actually asked me how could they make their coffee website accessible for people that have, um, you know, that use screen readers that are low vision and totally blind. I mean, you'd just be surprised what what comes of you knowing what it, what little bit of the language you know and, and being, like, enthusiastic about really learning. Right. Yeah, very, very, very cool. Love it. You have, you have to come to some of my uh, events my rooms okay yeah I, i'll invite you i mean we you know i'll you know do you, are you following my uh, my club um i, I created a club um called this is um this is what you need to know about the arabic language or things to know about the arabic language okay i will have to i will i will I will type you yeah. in when I go to when I go right. to um, follow me and then I'll be scheduling some uh, some less specific lessons and let me know if there's anything specific you would like me to to create you know because I'm creating also a visual support mm-hmm. which for you I guess wouldn't be that great I'm thinking of uh, creating um, a podcast support where I explain this orally you know. Oh yeah, you inspired um, me with your channel because uh, then I'm like, she's doing it, I can do it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, today at three o'clock. I'm yes, I'm coming. A... I know. I know. I'm coming. I have it on my um, on my calendar. I teach at four, but I'll be there at three. Okay. Yeah, because I realized my friends that live on in you know Western Europe or whatnot, mm-hmm. they're like five and six hours, seven yes. hours. And it's like, okay, if I do it at three or two, then right, everybody gets to take part in some way. Yes. And um, for everyone out there, just to let you know, on Clubhouse today in Chanel's Lang Lounge, mm-hmm. I will be talking about motivation and language learning and how you can continue to be motivated when learning a language. 
So if you guys want to join me, you sure can at Clubhouse, especially if you're a part of it already. I have 529 people following me, and I'm following like 1.2K people so far. So I'm trying to get up to 1,000 listeners before the end of the month. So that's my goal for that. So if you guys want to join me um, at Chanel's Langlaus, C-H-E-N-E-L-L-E apostrophe S-L-A-N-G lounge on Clubhouse, you can do so. It's 100% free. Okay, Chanel, I ha- I'm going to have to leave because uh, they're waiting oh. for me to have lunch. Uh, Very nice talking to you. You too. Oh, before you leave, um, um can you let my listeners know where they can find you if they want more information? Um, uh, just my website, which is Truria, T-H-O-U-R-I-A-B-B-2-B's, like boy. Truria, not Truria, no, that's not my, um, my, my website is just my first name and last name, TruriaDentahat.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And I'm also on Clubhouse. Come see me on Clubhouse. I I have um, a club for people who are learning Arabic. Eventually, I'm thinking of opening another club for people who are learning Arabic and speak French. And then another one for Spanish speakers who are learning Arabic. So it would be three different clubs. Oh, awesome. Well, thank God I speak both of those languages. Great. Come <laughs> visit me in each one of the, uh, which, each one of the clubs then. <laughs> It'd be great to have you with us. I'm sure people would enjoy it's talking fine. with you. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in today to Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast with my guest, Faria Ben-Farhat. Um, If you want, please follow, share, and review the podcast on everywhere podcasts are downloaded. And remember, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the podcast. And I will see everybody in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone.